Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. God wants His people to turn from the vanity of their ritualistic religion to the reality of a godly life. Is your religion just full of vanity and rituals, or are you really in the reality of a godly life? That's God's message in Zechariah chapter 8, and that's where we are today on the life study of Zechariah. This is Matt Miller with Bill Lawson. Bill, I'm glad you came by the studio for today's program. It's good to be back, Matt. Bill, the title of our life study today is The Advice to Israel to Turn from the Vanity of Their Ritualistic Religion to the Reality of a Godly Life and the Desire of Jehovah to Restore Israel. The majority of our program today will be on Jehovah's desire to restore Israel. So before we get into the details of the program, could you give us an introduction to address this matter of turning from the vanity of ritualistic religion to the reality of a godly life? Of course, Matt, the matter on the positive side is that surely God wants to restore Israel to fullness and greatness. But before that, we have a lot of things to go through. And here you have the vanity of religion contrasted with the reality of a godly life. What had happened, the Israelites, of course, they were taken captive, they were brought into captivity, and then a number returned through the prophecy of the prophets. On one hand, they did return physically to the land to rebuild the temple and also eventually to rebuild uh, the city. However, their heart was not absolutely turned. They had come back physically, but they were fully involved in a vain thing like weeping and fasting and separating themselves. They were trying all these outward things in order to grieve for their terrible situation, but really their heart, Matt, was not really for the Lord, uh, not for his desire, for his uh, intentions. They were mainly selfish for their own interests, and that's why here it really is a vanity of ritualistic religion. They were just in in a religion. They were not living a godly life. Their heart was not turned. They were not exercised to follow the Lord, to listen to his word. The prophets were sent by the Lord. The prophets' words were not uh, listened to. So really, they did everything they could for themselves, and it became a vain religion. Seems like, Bill, uh, the verse in the very first chapter of Zechariah, verse 3 says, return to me, and I will return to you, says Jehovah. And he was saying this to those who had already returned to the good land. They had already left Babylon. They had left the captivity of the Babylonians, come back to Jerusalem, were building up the temple, and he still tells them here, return to me. So they were doing things in an outward way, a ritualistic way, even a vain way, because their heart was not turned back to Jehovah. 
That's right. In the past ministry of Brother Lee, Brother Lee shared with us many years ago, I could never forget, he said, what is religion? And of course, all my life I thought that religion was mostly a good thing, a cultural thing. But he said, religion is to do things, is to have things, is to have things in the name of the Lord Jesus, but without the reality of the person. And that definition has been with me for many, many years. And I think all of us can testify that we don't want anything to do with a vain religion, but we want the reality of the living person of Christ himself to be everything to us. And to apply that in a real practical way, Bill, it's possible to be involved in church activities, things for God, but not have your heart with God. You're just doing it in an outward way, and that becomes religion. That's right. Okay, well, Bill, thanks for that opening word. Let's go on to Zechariah chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. And the word of Jehovah of hosts came, saying, Thus says Jehovah of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy. Indeed, I am jealous for her with great wrath. Here's Witness Lee for today's life study message from Zechariah chapter 7 and 8. Now we come to chapters 7 and 8. These two chapters are very plain. Just plain word in a peaceful situation. The wise to Israel to turn from the vanity of their ritualistic religion to the reality of a God life and the desire of Jehovah to restore Israel. This is precious. Number one, Jehovah of hosts is jealous for Zion with great jealousy. God is love. Yet here, he hates people. Hate whom? He hates enemies of Israel because God is jealous for his beloved elect. Two, he turns to them and will dwell within Jerusalem, and Jerusalem will be called the city of truth, and the mountain of Jehovah will be called the holy mountain. The city, the seat of truth, the mount down is the holy mountain. Three, this is a kind of a portrait to uh, depict how Jerusalem will be. Wonderful. Within Jerusalem, the old man, old lady, will dwell in the street of Jerusalem, each with his staff. When you get old, you need a staff for your walking, to take easy, to enjoy your life on the street by walking with a staff in the hand. Number four, the streets of the city will be full of what? Boys and girls playing. The street will be full of boys and girls. What is that? That is, the city is peaceful and very, very pleasant. Number five, the remnant of Israel, when they see such a situation, they would say, this is wonderful. God also will say, this is wonderful. And this describes what can present city in the restoration Jerusalem will be. You know, even today, in such good country, we do not go out after 10 o'clock in the night. It is not so safe, right? But 
there in the Jerusalem city. In the restoration time, you can go out and you can come in in peace all the time. Well, Bill, to be in Jerusalem and to be able to go out in peace and come in in peace, to have young people in the streets, old people, it sounds like this is really not today's situation, but referring to a future time. Is this the millennial kingdom that Christ will come to set up? It's interesting, Matt. I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say, my goodness, this does not sound like today's Jerusalem with the political situation over there. So surely this must refer to a future time, many, many centuries after the prophecy of Zechariah, referring to a Jerusalem in the future. This is course, referring to the coming millennial kingdom after the age of the church is over. And here you have a situation where Jerusalem is a completely different city. You have pleasant situation. You have peace everywhere. You have a pleasant uh, happiness. You have joy. You have singing. You have playing. You have everything positive that a blessing that is bestowed upon the Jerusalem here, even a city of truth. So here you have a definite prediction of a future time where the nation of Israel will be restored to original situation uh, before the captivity. We know that the captivity caused a devastation to Jerusalem and the nation of Israel, and for at least 26 centuries, Matt, even up to today, the nation of Israel and Jerusalem has not been restored to the situation that Zechariah is prophesying about. So we know this is a future prediction. We believe this is in a very, very short time from now that the restoration of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel will take place. It's predicted in Matthew chapter 19, verse 8, and also in Acts chapter 3, verse 21. In those two books, in Matthew, right, and Acts, there is a prediction of the coming restoration of the nation of Israel, which we definitely believe will transpire at the end of this age, after the Lord comes back again, he will restore Jerusalem to the situation exactly matching Zechariah's prophecy. Well, there's more to the prophecy, Bill. I'm going to read verse 23 of chapter 8. Thus says Jehovah of hosts, in those days, from all the languages of the nations, ten men will take hold. Indeed, they will take hold of the skirt of a Jewish man, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Let's rejoin Witnessly and look into more of the details of this coming kingdom age. The nations will come to Israel. All the Gentile nations will come to Israel and treating the favor of Jehovah. Now will be time the entire nation of Israel will be priesthood for the nations to teach the Gentiles to know God's way, to know God's person, and to teach them to worship God, serve God, and bring them into the presence of God. This is the priesthood. This is their situation in the thousand years of kingdom. After the Jews will be saved as the Lord's coming back, then they will become the priests to teach all the repentant nations. Then you take care of the problem produced 
from Babel, all the language of the nations, that man will take hold of the skirt of a Jewish man, saying, let's go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Now, I would ask you to guess about 10 men from different countries with 10 different languages, then what language they use? <laughs> they all will all of a sudden speak in Hebrew. That will be a miracle. By that time, maybe one Russian is there, one Japanese is there, one Chinese is there, 10 persons from 10 different languages, they all talk in Hebrew. And this happened once on this earth. Yeah. Where? In Jerusalem. Right. right? That is on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. This happened. That was a prefigure of this. What happened there at Jerusalem 2,000 years ago will be repeated in the kingdom of the thousand years by different language people all to speak Hebrew. Wonderful. Bill, I have to echo Witness Lee's concluding word there that this is wonderful. Right. It really is a curse, this problem with the languages today that started in Genesis chapter 11 with Babel. Would you talk about this curse and then how we saw a freedom from the curse in Acts chapter 2? And according to what Witness Lee just said, this was almost like a foretaste of the age to come, which is actually what Hebrews 6, 5 says. We can taste the powers of the age to come. Why don't you talk a little bit about this language situation in the matter of the kingdom? Uh, Your references matter exactly what's in my heart. When you look in Genesis chapter 11, you see a collective mankind there, that they were all of one language and even of the same speech. Eventually, collectively, they rebelled against God, so God came in personally to judge them and scatter them over the face of the earth, and he confounded their language so they could not rebel against him any longer. So from that time, all the way up to uh, Acts chapter 2, there was a confusion of languages. Many different languages, many different cultures uh, were produced from language. Then the Lord reversed that in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, when miraculously, when Peter gave that message, you know, on the incarnated, crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ, that message, Matt, was understood by every different language speaker at that time. They all understood what Peter was saying, and they receive the Lord, 3,000. So Brother Lee is saying here that this situation again will occur in the coming millennial kingdom in that when the Lord comes back and sets up his kingdom, everybody will want to go to Jerusalem to learn how to know God, the God of the Jews. They will grab hold of these Jewish priests and say, tell me about your God, tell me about his heart, tell me about his purpose, I want to learn from him, uh, learn from you, and so on. And how could this be possible if everyone is speaking their own language? Where here, again, there will be a restoration of the one language and the one speech. You mentioned in Hebrews chapter 6 where Paul talks about even we believers today can taste the powers of the age to come. And one of the powers of the age to come is a miraculous language change. I think we need to realize also from Brother Lee's ministry that in the age of the church, 
which we are in now, God borrowed the miraculous things like the different tongues and that. He borrowed them from the coming kingdom age to use in today's church age in order to bring in a vindication that the Lord was really with those early believers. So through the age of the church, you have the miracles waning and growing less and less. But then in the coming kingdom age, all of the full restoration of all the miracles and powers and signs will be fully exercised during the kingdom. And this will enable all the nations to learn how to serve God, and they will come to the Israelites. The Israelites will be the priests to teach the uh, nations how to know God, how to serve God, how to live in God's presence. So this is really marvelous. Well, Bill, you, you did my job for me. You just gave the lead into the conclusion of today's message, where we're going to see the matter of the Jews, the Israelites, being the priests to lead the nations in worship to God. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study message. The children of Israel will be praised to the nations. God's intention will be fulfilled. And God's promise will be in full fulfilled. You know, God's intention, according to Exodus chapter 19, was to have Israel as a nation of praise. And from that time, God never forgot that. All the time, God has been waiting. But there was no chance to do it until the restoration time. All Israelites, they will be praised. They will be quite busy thinking about how many nations will be there. They will be praised to the nation, teaching them how to worship and serve Jehovah. They were either idol worshippers or no worshippers, atheists. But they all turned to God, and God turned to them to be their God. So they have to learn, to learn how to worship and serve Jehovah. How encouraging is these two chapters? Uh, on the one hand, there was a kind of a rebuking. You turn to God, turn to God of life. Then I tell you, a time of restoration will come among you. Then the nations even will turn to you and will come to dwell with you as God's peoples. Then you will take the lead to help them, to teach them, to usher them into the worship to God. Wonderful. Do you know where we will be? We will be in the heavens, in the heaven part. And we will be the kings, the co-kings with Christ, and also the priest, the heavenly priest, to serve God. But I have to say, not all of us. You see, that millennial time will be a testing time to us. Whether we have been in our Christian life an overcomer or not. If we are, we'll be there. If not, we'll be in some other places to be disciplined for you to get mature. Bill, we've been talking about the restoration of Israel and the earthly part in the millennial kingdom with the Israelites. And then right here at the end, Witness Lee talks about where will you be? Well, 
the overcoming Christians will be in the heavenly part of the millennial kingdom, the heavenly part of the kingdom. We better talk about this a little bit because I think this might be a little new to many of our listeners. That's really so mad. I think we need to go back just briefly to uh, Exodus chapter 19, where God's desire there with his people was that you would be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. His desire all the way back there at the beginning of the nation of Israel was that the entire nation of Israel would be priests to the Lord, to serve him, to live in his presence, to minister him to others, and that they would become a pattern to all of the nations how to worship the true God. This was charged to the nation of Israel. We know through the centuries, Israel, they disobeyed the Lord many, many times. Eventually, they were brought into captivity as at the time of Zechariah's shows. Eventually, Zechariah seemed to be saying, well, if you return to me, then eventually, one day, I will return to you, and I I will fully restore you to the purpose that I had in the beginning is to make you an entire nation of priests to serve me and to lead other nations also to serve the, the, the God of the Hebrews. This, of course, will transpire in the coming millennial kingdom at the very end of the church age. In the coming millennial kingdom, those Jews who remain faithful to the Lord in the church age, they, after Antichrist and his devastation, they will enter into the coming kingdom to be the priests, to be the real nation of Israel, and all the nations will come to them to be taught how to worship God. We believers, the uh, Christians, we in the church age, if we are faithful to the Lord to live a priestly life, to live as kings ruling over ourselves, our flesh, and so on, we will be rewarded, Matt, in the coming millennial kingdom, and we will be the kings in the heavenly section of the millennium. The Jews have their earthly portion. They will teach people how to worship God. The overcoming believers, not all the believers, but just the overcoming believers, their portion will be to be the real kings and co-kings to rule and reign with Christ in the heavenly section of the kingdom. So that behooves us as believers in this age. We need to mature and live a godly life in this age, not live in the vanity of religion, but in the reality of a godly life. If so, Matt, the Lord will reward us in the coming kingdom age with the manifestation of the kingdom in the heavenly part. So that means we... As believers, we may be disciplined in the coming age, whereas other mature believers, they will be rewarded in the coming age. Bill, I'm going to read uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, which is a word to the overcomers that they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. This is the millennial kingdom in the heavenly part that the overcoming Christians are promised. Is that right? That's right. This is a very, very sobering portion. It's a rich portion, but a very sobering portion in that we must cooperate with the Lord in this age that he will reward us in the coming age. Well, we started out talking about not having vain religion, and we ended up into the restoration of Israel and concluding with every Christian needs to be sober, to live an overcoming life today, to overcome the situations in our daily life that we could rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years during the millennium and not be in another place that Witness Lee referred to. We don't know what that place is, do we? We don't know, but uh, we know it's not a positive place. Well, Bill, we trust the Lord that by his mercy and his grace, we could all be there with him in the thousand years, reigning with him as the kings and the priests. Thanks for coming into the studio today. Uh, It's a real pleasure to gather around his word. 
And thank you also for gathering around His Word in this radio program. If you'd like to get more information, call us at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or you can write to us at Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or just drop us an email to radio at lsm.org. We really do like to hear from you if you have comments. If you have questions, our phone lines are open. We really like to hear from our listeners. On behalf of Bill Lawson, this is Matt Miller. Thank you very much for listening. The Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the types of Christ conveyed in the Old Testament tabernacle and offerings. The reality of the five main offerings in Leviticus serve as the examples in the first 12 chapters of John, and in chapters 13 through 17, the Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the type of the tabernacle. The fulfillment of the tabernacle and the offerings in the writings of John is now available Get your copy today by calling 1-800-549-5164. That's 1-800-549-5164.